little known fact about Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. He loves Anne Murray. So that was just for him. Good morning, Rob. <laughs> Good morning. It's really starting Thursday out with a bang here. Well, you know, we don't have many days left because Vaughn is back <laughs> next week. So we got to really have some fun with you while we can. That's okay, right? No, that's good. That's good. I yeah. like it. We like love Anne Murray. People uh, out of bed. They're Absolutely. Like you, like you, because this is all new for you getting up this early in the morning. I have done pretty well, I think, with the exception of one day uh, on uh, on being bright eyed and bushy tailed for talk politics this oh. early in the morning. Must have been a day when I wasn't here because I certainly don't remember that. Uh, so let's okay, talk good. some politics because you were in the middle of things yesterday. I was following along on social media there. Uh, you went to the protest that was happening at the legislature and it sounded like, uh, just like in many other cities in Vancouver, uh, it got uh, pretty loud. It did, yeah. I mean, there's uh, more than 2,000 people there. I would say that the uh, folks who are in favor of the SOGI curriculum, the counter-protesters, as they were called, outnumbered, uh, maybe even two to one, the actual anti-SOGI protesters. And the protest started at noon. And when I left, uh, after doing my nightly check TV hits around 6.30, it was still going on. And it had kind of devolved into the... Um, counter-protesters sticking around and forming a circle around the anti-Soji protesters. There's sort of a remaining amount, a small number of them who, who didn't want to leave. And it was a standoff over who was going to leave first. And they were chanting back and forth at each other. And the police had formed a kind of inner circle to uh, to keep the two sides from coming to blows. And uh, that, ha- that was going on hour six <laughs> when I left. And I don't think that happened at every at many other uh, protest sites, but, uh, it was, um, it was an interesting experience. Uh, there's certainly some people who tried to talk about the issue and what SOGI actually is. And you and I went into what the SOGI curriculum actually is yesterday and how it's not pornography. And it's not a number of things that, that people seem to kind of perhaps view it as because a lot of this comes from the United States and the far right and works its way up here. But, um, I don't think anyone came to any type of consensus at a at a big protest like that, and it thankfully was not violent, so that was, mm-hmm. that was pretty good. Yeah, that part of it was pretty good. Let Let's talk about the political reaction to this because obviously a lot of politicians were talking about this yesterday. Well, all the politicians uh, who were asked uh, of the main three parties, so the NDP, BC United, and the Greens, came out and denounced the protest. And what was interesting yesterday is that one politician decided to go the other route, and that is BC Conservative leader John Rustad, who put out a statement yesterday just before the protest started saying he would scrap Soji if he formed government. Now, you can debate the likelihood of the BC Conservatives with two MLAs forming government and implementing this policy. Who knows? I mean, they're rising in the polls. Um, but I think the impact of a party like that making this policy position is that uh, potentially, you know, if we end up in another kind of really close election like 2017, when you have now the Greens, the Conservatives, the uh, NDP and United all kind of splitting votes everywhere, that these are the kind of policies that end up on the table uh, as negotiating points from the Conservatives for, you know, votes in certain things. So that's why, you know, you keep it in mind. He wants the SOGI policy replaced with a zero tolerance anti-bullying ban which I think, to be honest with you, we have That's right what I was now. just going to say. Like, don't we have yeah. that? Isn't that part of the so. same curriculum? 
I don't think we have a mild tolerance uh, anti-bullying ban or a, or a yeah. wide tolerance. I, but and I don't know how that's going to be defined. But his his point in talking to him is that bullying needs to be tackled, and Soji has become very divisive and very dividing. And, and very fraught, and it should be eliminated. Now, John Rastad was at the BC Liberal government cabinet table as a minister in 2016 when this was brought in, and he says he didn't really understand the significance of it at the time. Uh, and so he wasn't paying that, that close attention at the cabinet table? Is that what he's saying? Well, he wasn't the minister, he says, and he got a briefing from the education minister and thought it was anti-bullying and doesn't think it's fa- he thinks it's failed over the years um, and that it should be you should get rid of it. He inserted some other promises in with the end of Soji platform, more transparency on education, which I I think every party uh, kind of agrees with. But their point there is that um, some parents at the protest yesterday felt like things were being hidden from them, which is not in the Soji curriculum, but is a debate in other provinces on the issue of pronoun use and whether parents should be told and uh, some maritime provinces tackling, uh, tackling that. He wants more private washrooms fewer gender neutral washrooms so that, you know, children born male go to the male washrooms. Uh, and that uh, he calls it a safety issue for women. Uh, and, uh, he wants a ban again on trans women competing in women's sports saying it's biologically unfair. That was a by-election issue in June, uh, in Vancouver, Mount Pleasant that didn't go over. I was just going to say it didn't work in that particular riding. So he really chose, like he thought yesterday was a good day to be talking about this stuff. Yeah, I think he put he's put it together as a kind of uh, sort of platform, I think, for people who are concerned about these issues. Because you did hear, like a lot of people who showed up at the protest yesterday, didn't. some of them were talking about Soji, other them were talking about washrooms, and they were talking about other things. And so he's put these together uh, to try and address those folks. He's the only party leader saying these things. They are, I would call, more extreme stances than the federal conservative party, which is not affiliated. But yesterday told its MPs to just basically not say very much about this at all. Uh, And uh, he believes that this group of voters uh, will, you know, needs a voice and that they need a choice and that the other parties aren't serving this. And so uh, he is going to step up and do that. And I guess the calculation is if they show up in significant numbers, and this is some of the Freedom Convoy, some of the anti-vax, some of the sort of groups coming out that they form a political block that could rival, you know, the labor movement or the business movement or the environmental movement that fuels the other parties. So we will see hmm. uh, about that. But he is staking around. And he continue when you talk to John Rossett, he says he wants to be a party that appeals to people who have, uh, don't see themselves reflected in the other parties. So I guess it's going to make it makes sense he takes these stances yeah. when other parties don't. Rob, there's also this Union of BC Municipalities convention. Now, it's, we're getting to that time of the week. Are we going to be hearing from the opposition leader and the premier, right, towards the end of the week? Yeah, we do hear from Kevin Falcon, BC United leader, today and then uh, Premier David Eby yesterday and, uh, sorry, tomorrow. And yesterday was the BC Greens. So, uh, you know, not UBCM used to be a place where political leaders made big announcements. Uh, it's possible Falcon kind of says something as part of his continuing to roll out his platform. Um, but uh, we will see. Uh, in the meantime, the UBCM uh, delegates from across the province yesterday were talking about decriminalization and passed three resolutions on this. And they essentially boil down to telling the provincial government 
to expand those decrim zones that we've been talking about from beyond the kind of current uh, locations, the new proposed locations of playgrounds and skate parks and into parks and other places. And then more treatment and more funding and kind of step up. And, uh, and that frustration that we've known municipalities have for quite a long time about open drug use uh, in their public places. And so those resolutions, not, not unanimous, well, some of them were unanimous, but they, they did spark quite a bit of debate yesterday, but they, they all still passed. Right. There were three different resolutions, right? That's right. Yeah. And, and so I think the more contentious one is the one about sort of, um, you know, expanding the decriminalization zone, uh, the, the exemption zone and that, um, you know, the proposal is to go to where children gather around uh, parks and bus stops and beaches and park spaces. And right now the province is only considering expanding uh, the decrim exemption zone to 15 meters from a play structure or a wading pool or a skate park. And so municipalities are saying we need more than that. I think it's actually Kamloops that is uh, on its own kind of thinking of expanding to 100 meters uh, so the around playgrounds and beaches and things like that. And, and it has been a question of the premier. Where did you come up with 15 meters from? Uh, he has said he's got some more legislation coming. So we'll see. But clearly, I think, it, and this was expressed too on Monday with provincial health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry, talking about decrim, a frustration from especially kind of smaller town mayors in, in some cases. I know there was a Smithers counselor who said, yeah, decrim is important, but like we have entire communities to consider uh, with this and, uh, you know, others who've described it as kind of a social experiment that's tearing communities apart. Uh, and then there's the supporters too, who say, look, like we can't get, couldn't get police to arrest uh, people before anyways. So whether it's decrim or not is, is kind of irrelevant. But I think what the sum total for the provincial government is, again, that this was not rolled out well, it has not been communicated well, and there are problems with decrim that you see Premier Eby trying to address now, and that the NDP is playing catch up on this, and they, their solutions don't seem to go far enough yet for community leaders. And so that is, I think that's the takeaway for the provincial government as they look to bring in some uh, legislation on that this fall. Right. They've certainly gotten an earful this week from municipalities, haven't they? That's part of UBCM, I think, I is, guess, that, yeah. is that when you unite together, you know, um, you provide a much stronger lobbying voice than just the individual council of Smithers or wherever. And so these resolutions that pass carry more weight. Everyone gets meetings with different ministers. Uh, it's like I've called it before, like speed dating, where there's just me meetings after meetings after meetings. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a chance to give the provincial government an earful and whether the government takes it or not is the question. And that always is kind of the interesting part to observe is that some governments ignore UBCM mostly. This government has done a, a pretty good job consulting uh, UBCM and, and other leaders, but it doesn't always hit the mark. And, uh, and we're seeing that with decrim. What do you think if there was a consensus issue at UBCM, what do you think it was? Was it public safety? Has it been housing? What is it? Well, it's not, I mean, even housing is a, is a challenge, right? Because there's, there are municipalities that feel like they're kind of, you know, operating the best they can and still getting picked on by the province when it comes to uh, speeding up housing approvals and some that, that feel it's that's not the right way to push municipalities aside. So I think everyone agrees on the problems, 
The overdose crisis is an immense problem, a tragic problem. The housing affordability crisis is a problem. Uh, healthcare is a problem. I think probably you get more agreement on healthcare than anything else, which is that um, there's not enough of it, especially in rural BC, and that these closures that we see at different hospitals are are really devastating communities because they lose their only access to emergency care and they have to drive hours away. That's pretty clear cut, uh, and and there's you know that's that falls on the province to to do better. But the other issues become very. Um, difficult to, to kind of hash out and, and difficult to sort of figure out the right solution. And the problem is easy, but the solution is is difficult, as, as any governing party will tell you. Very true. Uh, Rob, thank you. Okay, take care.